Here, let's take our Bibles this morning and turn to the book of Colossians. You might have already been there. Colossians. The ladies might be breathing a sigh of relief this morning. They, they got theirs out of the way last week. And uh, I was checking around this morning. I had some men threatening to go fishing today and work on their houses and do other things. So I'm glad, men, that you're here. And if you look around and you notice one of our men that's not here today, don't pick on him. He's probably not fishing. He's probably home with a sick child or serving his wife or doing something very manly today. And uh, maybe he's not well today. You might call and encourage him. This is another message where you got to keep your elbows to yourself, okay? And uh, pay attention when God speaks to our hearts. He speaks to our hearts, not just to the heart of the person across the way. And uh, it's easy to apply truth in someone else's life. And we need to apply God's word to our hearts this morning. Colossians 3, we're going to look just at one verse this morning. We're working through this passage as we think about holiness in the home and what God wants in a godly, biblical home. Last week we focused on the fact that wives should submit to their husbands. And this week we're going to focus on the husband's response to the wife and how he should treat his wife. Next week, I'm going to be on vacation. So Brother James is going to preach to you next week. My wife and I are going to go and celebrate our 15th anniversary, and so we're getting away for a few days, and so I hope that you'll still come to church next week, because it's not so much about who is preaching, it's about what book is being preached from. I hope you understand that, and I know we might have people we enjoy more, or somebody else, some people say, well, I like to watch this guy on TV, or this or that, and it's important that we focus on what is being preached and uh, the, the Lord that is being preached, not the person necessarily that's standing behind the pulpit. So I hope you'll be here next Sunday. And then when I get back, we're going to continue this study as we look at children and their response to parents and, and parents and their response to children. So there's a lot that the Bible has to say about the home. But let's just read one verse together this morning. If you have your Bible, you can read it. Let's read it out loud together, or if you want to, you can follow along on the screen. Colossians chapter 3, verse 19. It's short. We'll read it out loud together. Here we go. Husbands, love your wives, and be not bitter against them. I hope if you're joining us online from home, you're able to follow along with this message this morning, because I believe whether you're here in person, whether you're watching this online, this truth that we're going to look at this morning well, it seems very straightforward, one little verse. Yet, I believe this truth here has the power to restore marriages, has the power to make your home a happy place, has the power to really change lives. So I'd encourage you, even if you can this morning, to be able to share this message out with somebody else. Send them a text, send them a link, maybe share it on your social media account, because I believe this truth is so important for each one of us to hear. Maybe you heard about the couple where the wife was concerned about the marriage relationship and so she called her pastor and said, Pastor, we need to come in for some marriage counseling. I'm just concerned that my husband doesn't love me anymore. And So she got her husband and they went and sat down with the pastor and the pastor said, well, what seems to be the problem? And she says, well, Pastor, I... I just don't think my husband loves me anymore. So the pastor looked at the husband and he said, well, why is she saying this? Do you not love her anymore? And he says, well, of course I love her. 
So I told her the day I married her. And if it ever changes, I'll let her know. But I didn't think I had to tell her again and again, you know. And sometimes, as men, we need to think once again about what the Bible says about loving our wives. We really have in verse 19 two commands. There's a positive command and there's a negative command. The, the positive command is husbands, love your wives. The negative, the thing you're not supposed to do, is in the second half of the verse where it says, and be not bitter against them. So we'll this morning look at those two things, what it means to love your wife and what it means to not be bitter against her. And I hope it will help you this morning in your life in your relationship with God, in your relationship with your wife. Because I hope you understand as we look at these passages, as we look at these verses, this is not just about human relationships. It is impossible to divorce the human relationship from the spiritual relationship that we have with God. And often our human relationships are a representation of where our spiritual relationship is with God our spiritual relationship with God will affect the human relationships that we have one with another. And the opposite, I believe, is also true. Our human relationships one with another also affect our vertical spiritual relationship with God. That is why this is so important and so essential. It's important for your marriage, yes, but it's also important for your relationship with God. Just in a very simple way, by way of introduction, we see this verse, this is written as a command. So to disobey this command is not just to hurt your human relationship in your marriage, it is also to hurt your heavenly relationship with God. And so as we consider this this morning, this isn't just, well, let's come to church for some marriage advice, even though probably all of the married folks could use that from time to time. This is about our spiritual relationship with God. Because as we've talked about before, as we've looked through this book together of Colossians, as we grow closer to God, we also help to improve the human relationships that we're involved in. Now we understand, and I had Grant and Thomas help me with this a few weeks ago. I'm not going to bring them back up here again today. But as two people each get closer to God and we use the cross to represent Jesus and, and who God is and as we get closer to Him we also get closer to each other. But it is true that sometimes one person in a relationship is closer to God while the other person is further away. And while that human relationship may not be all that it should be, it's important that we first and foremost focus on our relationship with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Because it's impossible to truly fix human relationships without God right in the middle of it. And so as we look at this passage this morning, I hope it will be a help to you as we consider what it means for a husband to love his wife. As you study your Bible, you realize that the home or the institution of marriage was the very first human institution that God created. The marriage relationship, the home was created before the government was created. It was created before the church was created. It was the very first human relationship. And truly, when it comes to marriage advice, you can go throughout all of Scripture to find it. And we will look at a few different passages this morning. 
But I want us to just focus on this one simple idea to start out. Husbands love your wives. So, I think this brings us to the question, well, what is the definition of love? How do we love our wives? What is love? Well, in the Greek language, there are at least three different words that are used to describe love and to describe it in different ways. We have the word eros, we have the word phileo, and we have the word agape or agapao, whether it's a verb or a noun. And each one has a little bit different meaning. Here in Colossians chapter 3, he uses that third word for love, agape, love. And you say, why does that matter? I don't speak Greek. I speak English, okay? It matters because this kind of love that is spoken about in Colossians 3 is the same kind of love that was used to describe the love that Jesus Christ had for each and every person when he died on the cross for their sin. This is not just a brotherly love. This is not a love that is desirous of a, in, of a physical relationship. This is a self-sacrificing love. And that love is used to describe Christ's love for the church. So, how is love defined? Well, here this word is defined as a self-sacrificing love. Are you willing to give of yourself for someone else? Or specifically in Colossians 3, husbands, are you willing to sacrifice yourself for your wife? It is a self-sacrificing love. So, define self-sacrificing love. Love described. Well, I think one of the greatest chapters in all the Bible about love is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And here in this chapter, if you want, you can turn over with me. We're going to quickly look through it. We have a wonderful, beautiful description of what this self-sacrificing love looks like. Sometimes in our Bible, that word for love, that sacrificial love, is translated as charity. And you'll see that word used over and over here in 1 Corinthians 13 where he says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become as sounding brass or as a tinkling cymbal. Now he's writing in reference to the local church here, but we can understand even in a marriage relationship, it doesn't matter how many words you have, how smart you sound when you talk, if you don't have love, he says it's like you're sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. Verse 2, and though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. Husbands, I would challenge you with this thought then, if that is what love is and how important love is, just because you have the ability to preach God's word. He says here, if you even have the gift of prophecy, just because you have great faith in areas of your life, he says if you don't have love, then you're nothing. This is a real challenge, I would say, even to pastors and spiritual leaders. And unfortunately, if you've spent any time in spiritual leadership, you will find people at times 
who while the outward spiritual show looks great, boy, they can teach, they can preach, they have great faith, they're great leaders, they're doing great things, but their love is not what it should be. And according to 1 Corinthians 13, you may be this tremendous spiritual leader, you could have enough faith to move mountains, but if you don't have love, if you don't have charity, he says you are nothing. See, the challenge for us as men, I think, is we need to understand what our identity is found in. As a believer, my identity must be found in Christ, in what He has done for me, in His finished work on the cross. But men, one of the challenges we have is too often we find our identity in what we have done or what our work is, in our ability to provide, in our wisdom, in our smarts, in our ability to go out and conquer and bring home the... But I can't find my identity in that and find true joy. My identity must be found instead in what Christ has done for me. Verse number 3 says, And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Wow, here's somebody who's, who's, a, who's a giving person who even gives all their money to the poor. He says, if you don't have love, then you're nothing. It profits you nothing. This description gets even a little more detailed in the next few verses when he says, charity suffereth long. It's long-suffering. Love is long-suffering. Men, if you're going to love your wife, if you're going to have a self-sacrificing love, then you are willing to suffer long. And some man is probably thinking, how long? He just says long. Suffereth long and is kind. That can be a challenge, can't it, at times? I don't know about you, man, but sometimes I just have the perfect thing to say. You know? Oh, man, if I say this, this is going to set her straight. It's going to work everything out. and It's going to fix all the problems. A lot of men are problem solvers, right? Honey, bring me your problem, I'll solve it. I'll tell you how to deal with that drama with your mother, with your sister. I'll tell you how to fix the kids. I'll, I'll tell you how to do this. Just do this, 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 and it'll be fine. Now go do it, right? That's not love that is kind. Charity, it says, envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up. Doth not behave itself unseemly. Seeketh not her own. And this can be a challenge for a man with a temper. Most men I know have one. Is not easily provoked. If you're finding yourself as a man constantly provoked, it's because your love isn't what it should be. It's not easily provoked. Thinketh no evil. Do you believe the best? about your wife, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. I know many men in their marriage want to draw a line somewhere. And yet here he says, true love endures all things. Charity never faileth. 
Men, we've been given a high calling, a high task. Just like our wives need grace to be able to submit as God would have them to submit and submit as unto the Lord, and that's a giant challenge because they're having to submit to an imperfect person. So men, you may have to love, or you do have to love, someone who is imperfect. But see, you can love an imperfect person because love is not about what you get. It's about what you give. You can love a sinner. Our example was Jesus Christ. So we've seen love defined, love described, and I would say love demonstrated in Scripture is best demonstrated in the love that Christ had for us, for you and for me and for the church. Love demonstrated. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 25 says this, Husbands, love your wives. A parallel verse to Colossians 3. Love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Aren't you thankful that Jesus Christ gave Himself for you? I'm sure thankful that He gave Himself for me. Because you know what? If He hadn't, I could still stand up here and preach, and some people will stand up and preach. But if they don't know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, it's not going to get them any closer to God. Just because you're standing on a platform doesn't mean you're closer to God. You may be physically a little closer towards heaven, but spiritually without the blood of Jesus Christ shed because of His great love for us, we're no closer to God. Because it is only through Jesus Christ and His love for us that He was willing to give for us on the cross because of the love that we've experienced that we can then in turn love somebody else as Christ would have us to love them. He says, husbands, love your wife just like Christ loved the church and He gave Himself for it that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. So how is love demonstrated? Well, through the physical demonstration of Christ's love to us. He came down from the heaven. He left His throne. He lived amongst men and women, among sinners. We looked at it last Sunday. He even submitted Himself as a holy, perfect God who never sinned. He submitted Himself to His parents who were not perfect, who were sinners. He gave up His glory temporarily. He gave up His throne temporarily. Oh, Right? And by the way, no, this isn't by the way, right? He was crucified. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man laid down his life for his friend. For he was made sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. For God so loved the world, that self-sacrificing love, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. What great love is this? Well, how do you know? Because it was demonstrated. He gave it. He gave of himself. He gave of his life. Romans 5.8 says, But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died 
for us. Men, this doesn't leave any room for excuses. Well, you just don't understand who my wife is. You don't understand what she does. Do you understand who Jesus died for? He didn't die for his friends. He died for his enemies. And you and I were one of them at one time. I hope that you're not an enemy of his anymore today. I hope that you're on the winning side today. I hope that your sin is forgiven. You're trusting in Jesus Christ. But even the Apostle Paul said it this way. As he listed out all these sins, he says, And such were some of you. As he's talking about the adulterers and fornicators and the idolaters and all these wicked things that we say, Oh, that's bad, that's bad, that's bad. Jesus died for all of those, and He died for you, and He died for me. So that's our example. That's the demonstration of love is Christ as He died in our place. Can you imagine what it would look like for a man to give of himself for his wife the same way Christ gave of Himself for the church? Wow. Man, we must be careful that we don't base what true love in a marriage looks like just by somebody else's marriage. It's easy to do that, right? Well, I love my wife. I mean, I'm not beating her. Good. I'm glad you've at least made it past that level, right? Well, I love my wife. I don't yell at her too much. I love my wife. I go to work, and I make money, and I bring it home, and I feed her. Okay. All fine. But that's not the level that is the measurement of love. It's easy when you set your bar very low to always get over that bar, right? <laughs> when, you, when your goal is really low, it's easy to get over that goal. Somebody said if you aim for nothing, you'll always hit it, right? You say, but this seems really high. This seems really hard. It is really high. The goal is Christ. To love as He loved. To give as He gave. The goal is not like, well, as long as she's still willing to be around. you know. Things are kind of getting, th we're, we're just making it. Folks, I don't want to just survive in my marriage. I want to thrive in my marriage. I want to see it grow and I want it to be how God wants it to be. Don't you? I don't mean to be selfish about this, but... I feel this very personally as a pastor in a church, the importance that I love my wife because God told me to, number one. Number two, because she's worth it. Number three, because it's an important help to my children. But number four, it's important to all of you that I do it as well. You wouldn't want to come to a church where the pastor didn't love his wife. That wouldn't help you, would it? I would challenge you this way too, though, men, as part of the body of Christ. It's important that you love your wife because God told you to. It's important that you love your wife because she is worth it. Say, well, not my no, she is. Because Jesus loved her enough to die for her. And if he loved her that much, she's worthy of your love as well. She's worth loving because your children, your family, need that encouragement and that example. 
But she's also worth loving because it's a blessing to our church when you love your wife as you should. Because a church is only as strong as the people and the families that are in it. Say, well, why are churches falling apart today? It's because families have fallen apart. Why is our country in the situation that it's in right now? You say, no, husbands are saying, no, don't put that all on me just because I didn't love my wife. The whole country's falling apart. Folks, it's simple disobedience and sin that brings about all the problems that we see today. And if we're not willing to take responsibility to the most straightforward commands like this that God gives us, hope of ever seeing God bless as we want to see Him bless. We can't expect to experience the blessings of a close relationship with God when we're not willing to obey the simple commands that God has given us. Jesus even said it this way, By this shall all men know that ye love me if ye keep my commandments. And then he said, In this men shall know... Uh, I'm going to paraphrase here because I can't think of the verse exactly, but how we have our love for one another, right, is what helps to point people to Christ. People understand that our faith in God is real because of our love one for another. And how many times as Christians we have seen people turned away from following God and later you ask them, well, what happened? Well, those people claim to be Christians, but they, they fight just like unsaved people. Boy, he looks good on Sunday, but I don't think he really loves his wife as he should. This love is not just a physical protection for your wife, even though that would be in included. It's not just providing for her physical needs. If you go again back in Ephesians chapter 5, this example is not just a physical provision for somebody else, it's also helping them to grow spiritually. And yet, unfortunately, in many homes, the wife is more of a spiritual leader than her husband is. Now, ladies, that's not to say you shouldn't walk with God, right? But men, let's help our wives to grow. But to help somebody else grow, you've got to already be growing, don't you? Say, this is hard. I didn't really think through what I was signing up for when I got married. That's okay. You're here now. The Bible hasn't given you an escape clause. I didn't read the fine print when I signed this contract, right? Only by God's grace can you do this. Christ's love for us was demonstrated by His submission to God the Father and His willingness to die in our place for our sin. His submission to God the Father demonstrated His complete trust in God's will for His life. So too, men, to love your wives as you submit yourselves to the Lord and to His will and to His plan and to His purpose for your life, you can love her as Christ loved you. Loving your wife will teach you to be unselfish. 
Because you can't love somebody else truly when you're trying to get something for yourself. It just doesn't work that way. It's like trying to give while trying to snatch back at the same time. It just doesn't work, does it? You get caught in the middle and you end up in a, in a tug-of-war. And that's where a lot of marriages are. It's a tug-of-war every day. Well, I gave you this, so now I deserve that. Or, you know, I've been doing this, all this for you. Don't you see? That wasn't the example of Christ, was it? He gives, and He gives, and He gives again. Loving your wife will teach you to be a giver, not a taker. Loving your wife will help you appreciate Christ's love for you. Loving your wife will help you realize your need and desire for love. Men say, I do. I think men appreciate love. Men want to be loved. Love is really an amazing and intriguing thing. Love is a choice. Love is an action. Love is not just a feeling that comes and goes, not self-sacrificing love. You can't take love or force love, but you can give love and receive love. You can love someone who doesn't love you back. Jesus has loved a whole lot of people that didn't love him back. Love is not dependent on what they do to you or for you, but on what you do for them. Parents understand this with their children when they have a little baby. There's a lot of sacrifice that goes into providing for that baby, taking care of that baby, raising that baby, and, and initially there's not a whole lot that that baby can do to give back, and yet they just keep loving them, keep loving them. Well, their baby, they can't take care of themselves, so if I don't love them, what are they going to do? Right? Sometimes it's a little easier for us to process that in our minds. And yet God has said, husbands, love your wives. Sacrifice for them. Help them. Encourage them. Give of yourself for them. Loving your wife can best be done as you consider and be constantly reminded of God's love for you. As I was working as a, as a youth pastor and working with a lot of teenagers, uh, my wife and I dealt with a lot of teenagers that were struggling with a lot of hard things. It's tough to be a teenager in this world today. There's a lot of things competing for your attention. There's a lot of uh, bad influences out there. There's a lot of bad messages that you're receiving from your friends, from school, from the media, from television, from the internet, whatever it is, right? But it was interesting to us, the young people that were most resilient and most able to go forward and most able to excel in life, generally speaking, were the ones who experienced the greatest love at home from their parents. The ones who would often lash out and fight and cause problems were the ones who were not receiving much love at home. From their parents. If you haven't been loved well, it's hard for you to love anyone else well. That's why we see so many people in our society today who've uh, been through all kinds of things and they turn around and repeat the cycle over and over again. 
Why? Because they haven't been loved well, and so they, they want to hurt somebody else. Hurting people hurt people. And you may be somebody here this morning that's been hurt, and you've been hurt deeply. That's why you must rest in the love of Jesus Christ. Because His love is sufficient. His love covers all things. His love can give you strength. His love will never fail. His love is perfect. Men, if you want to love your wives as Christ loved the church, if you want to love your wife as God has commanded, you must rest in the love that you've received from Jesus Christ. You say, that's a hard thing to do because the things that I've been through, the things that I'm struggling with, the, the doubts that I have in my own heart, because of what someone else has done or said or, or been to me, make it really hard for me to think and be loving. Maybe you're going through some hard things at work and you come home and you just take it out on your wife. Why? Because you're not feeling love at work, so you get home and you're not ready to give much love, are you? Maybe you're going through a, another situation with a friend or, or a family member. Maybe you're looking back to how you grew up as a little boy. You say, I didn't receive any love in my house growing up, and it's really hard for you to give love back. That's why we must fully think about and understand and rest in and meditate upon the love that God has shown to us. Because the more full we are of His love, the more able we are to give love to somebody else, the more able we are to love our wives. You know, when I'm busy or stressed out or I got a lot on my mind, I'm not as loving to Shandy as I should be. Some of you thought I was perfect and that I always loved her perfectly, I know, but you're wrong. <laughs> I'm not perfect. I'm far from it. You know that. But when I'm resting in Christ's love for me, when I'm walking in close fellowship with Him, when I'm experiencing His love continuing to work in my heart, it just becomes a much more natural thing to want to give love and demonstrate love to this lady that God has given to me that we have a marriage relationship together. We are commanded to love our wives. But we're also here in the second part of the verse. We're given a negative command, something not to do. The first half is what we should do. The second half is what we should not do. He says, and be not bitter against them. You see, a lack of love will result in irritation. Love covers a multitude of sins. Love is like the oil that reduces the friction that is often produced in marriage. Two sinners tend to run into each other from time to time, don't they? Husband and wife, and, and they're both sinners, and they both have struggles, and there are times they butt heads. There are times they get frustrated. Love reduces the irritation that can result in inflammation. These two commands go hand in hand. Love your wife and be not bitter against her. When you love your wife properly, you will not be harsh or bitter against her. A lack of love results in irritation. Irritations that are not dealt with will result in bitterness. You let that frustration, that irritation, she just... 
I just can't deal. Oh, she's always doing this. You let that go unchecked, it'll start to turn into bitterness in your heart, man. That's why we got to start with love your wife. When you don't deal with that irritation, it turns into anger, and then anger that's not dealt with will turn to bitterness. Man, your, your wife will not always be lovely or lovable. Love her anyway. I say, well, I can't. I don't want to. Relationships are hard, but you can't do this alone. But you can, all do, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Now, there are cases, there are situations where a wife will leave her husband and be gone. Just like there are situations when a husband will leave his wife and be gone. But that's not an excuse not to love. There are many sinners who have strayed away from the loving hand of the Savior and, let our, and yet our Heavenly Father and our Savior Jesus Christ continues to love us. Bitterness left unchecked will result in many being destroyed. The Bible has a lot to say about bitterness and that root of bitterness that goes in us. When a marriage ends, people are always hurt. Family, children, friends, extended family. I don't know, some of you may find yourself somewhere on this spectrum, right? You've struggled to love your wife as you should and you found yourself irritated, being, coming bitter towards her. You say, how do I roll this back? How do I get back to where I should and how do I grow in love? Confess your sin. Because He's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But then you've got to grow in grace. You need God's help to grow, to learn to love her. You also may need some human being help, right? So, you know, a pastor or another person in the church who can come alongside you and say, you know, this thing that you do all the time, this isn't showing love to your wife. This would be better. If you want a really hard assignment, and men, you've got to really be ready for this if you, if you want to take this homework home. Go to your wife and say, Honey, how can I love you better? And then you'd be surprised how long the list she probably has ready and waiting for you. I understand. I even say that and I kind of think in my head, Hmm, I don't know if I want that assignment or not. And this is an opportunity to follow God and grow in your relationship with Him. Doing what God says it will only result in God's blessing. Don't be afraid of obeying God and trusting His Word. Sometimes we can be afraid, well, if I do that, though, that's going to open up a whole nother can of worms. You know? If I ask her that question, she's just going to unload on me. Well, you're big enough. You're tough enough, right? You say, no, I'm not. With the Lord you are. Bitterness will result in many being destroyed. Men, you can't fix your wife. 
A lot of men wish your wife came with instructions, right? A manual. But man, you wouldn't read the manual anyway. You don't normally, right? Ah, manual, I don't need that. I'll just figure it out. We can't treat our wife like we treat our toaster or our television or our garage door opener. You ever tried to install one of those things? You got to get the tension settings just right because you put it in the first time and it closes, wham, slams, or it doesn't close all the way, or it closes and wants to open back up. It's got to be tuned just right. I have one of those fancy ones that has, I can open and close my garage door with my cell phone. It's got a little app, an app for everything. I remember, though, when I first got in the house and I was trying to get that all hooked up and set up and I, I had the instructions out, I got it all dialed in, but then the app wouldn't work. I had to go on a little trip and I was out of town and, and my wife was, we were all gone from the house and I had somebody, I don't remember who it was, it might have been Billy or somebody, coming by to feed our fish. And I said, Billy, just, you know, here, here's the... Um, Here's the app. You can just open our garage door and you can go in. You can feed the fish and take care of it and leave. And so he gets up and he hits the button. Door won't open, right? I'm thinking, oh, no, if we get home and the fish is dead, the kids are all going to be sad. And, you know, nobody was able to get in and take care of the fish. And so I'm on the phone with Billy. Try this, try that, try this, try that. Nothing worked. So what did I finally have to do? I had to get on my phone and, and search on Google you know, how to get this app to work properly and how to get it all set up. And we finally were able to get the garage door open so he could go in and feed the fish. I'm sitting in an airport somewhere on the phone trying to solve a garage door. My phone's about to die. You know, all those problems are coming up. Sometimes that's how your marriage feels, doesn't it? Anything is worse when your phone's about to die. I understand. And you're like, I know there's a Bible verse somewhere and you're searching for the right Bible verse or you're trying to solve a problem or you're trying to fix this or you're trying to fix that. You can't fix your wife, but you can love her. You can't control your wife, but you can love her. Quit trying to change your wife. Love your wife. You can't love her in your own strength. You need God's help. Be specific in your love for her. Ask yourself, how have I loved my wife today? If your answer is, well, I haven't yelled at her yet, then that's probably a good sign you have a very low bar and you need to raise your bar and you have a long way to grow in that area. 1 Corinthians 13, I already read it, but it says that charity suffereth long is kind it's not vaunted not itself it's not puffed up does not behave itself unseemly seeketh not her own is not easily provoked thinketh no evil rejoiceth not in iniquity but rejoiceth in the truth beareth all things believeth all things hopeth all things endureth all things charity never faileth so as you think through those verses about love and as you think about the command that you have to love your wife and not be bitter against her, I would challenge you, men, to make a list. How can I love my wife? Love is action. 
Love is a choice. Love is sacrificing myself for the good of somebody else. Our example is Jesus. Some of you probably several years ago saw the movie that came out called Fireproof about a husband and wife. He was a fireman and, and their marriage was going through all kinds of struggles. He had committed some sin and done wrong and she had found out about it and she was very upset with him. But he decided he was going to try to do better, but she was still upset with him. He went to his dad wondering what he should do and his dad said, well, son, I've had some of the same struggles in my marriage as well. And he gave him a little book and, and challenged him with the love dare, right? And each day it was something that he could do to demonstrate love to his wife. Man, you can't force her to be with you. You can't force her to submit to you. The command for a wife to submit is not for you to run, that's not a, a stick for you to run around with going, submit, 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 right? Just like ladies, the command for men to love you is not for you to run around with that stick. You need to love me. You need to love me. Nobody wants to love somebody who's chasing them with a stick, okay, right? <laughs> but men, let's take our responsibility seriously. Just like we want our wives to take their responsibilities seriously. And let's ask God to help us to love our wives. Because he commands it, because she's worth it, because your kids need it, our church needs it, our nation needs it, our world needs Jesus. Father, help us. We need you. These are not easy things for me to preach and to talk about. Lord, I don't want this to be just something that we smile and think about and say, well, I ought to do this. Rather, Lord, may it be something that we confess to you our failures and our struggles and call upon you for to do what you've asked us to do. Lord, I believe I'm speaking mainly to Christians this morning. You've said here in this chapter, if ye then be risen with Christ. Lord, these are things, this is part of seeking those things which are above. I pray for each husband here this morning and for the future husbands who may be listening to this as well. Lord, that you would challenge their hearts and convict them of the necessity of obedience in this area and entrusting you to help them do something that at times, many times, will be beyond them. Help them to rely on you for the strength to love their wives and to not be bitter against them. We love you in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.